0: Well, hello, Viva Albertas. We are back from a Christmas holiday and a New Year holiday. It is 2024, and we are starting a new season of the VEB podcast, and we've got the whole crew with us today. We've got Heather and Blake and Gabe and Adam joining us as well. How was your guys' uh, Christmas and New Year's?
1: It's pretty good. My mom has been working on a house that had a lot of wallpaper in it, um, and I. <laughs> spent most of my christmas new year's time taking wallpaper down
0: um, that was my least favorite job i could go on a 30 minute rant about <clears throat> wallpaper but it's,
1: I'll it's spare one, one. one of the like i've worked on a lot of house stuff uh surprisingly <laughs> you might not guess by leaving me, but i have and um it's been one of the one of the more physically demanding um tasks i've undertaken with that uh it was horrible it was, i will never put wallpaper in my house <laughs> it's <laughs> so bad i'm traumatized
0: yeah yeah no i agree yeah yeah we just renovated our uh, sanctuary at our church and it's i don't know it seats 400 people or whatever and it was wallpapered on the sides Could you, I, I did not touch it i didn't i we had a crew of volunteers that did it but yeah. i just oh i just nightmares nightmares <laughs> like save me how was your christmas man yeah Uh, It was good. It was busy.
2: My wife and I decided we were going to move over the breaks. It was a lot of apartment touring. And now I have a bunch of packed boxes behind me that are occupying my little office space. So I'm excited (laughs) to actually be able to move and have actual space to live in again. So that'll be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You guys are moving to St. Louis? That's No. no, no. We're staying in
2: Columbus, Columbus, just moving to a different apartment complex.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Gabe, how about you, man?
3: Uh, it was great. My my big gift, and it was kind of a gift for my dad too, is uh, um, next year I'm going on like a nine day, eight stadium baseball tour in the West Coast. Nice. Yeah, so I'm um, pretty excited about that.
1: Um, Good so, content too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it, maybe I should bring my computer along. But
1: you should write about it for sure. Yeah, don't like, don't I'd to, love uh, to have um, an
0: article from each site. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah none of the games are Cardinals.
3: None of the games are Cardinals, unfortunately, but. It's like Sacramento, San Francisco. A Sacramento uh Triple A team by the way. In case you forgot that.
1: <laughs>
3: uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, I forgot the others. Arizona's in there somewhere. So I'm pretty pumped. Thank yeah. Yeah. I
1: always
0: awesome. want to do something like that. Yeah. Adam man, hey man. How's it going?
4: Good man. I Watched a lot of uh, football and basketball, and you know it's a lot of disappointing free agency news over the past <laughs> month or so. Just because it's been dead silent from the Cardinals end, and the Dodgers have been firing on all cylinders, but you know we'll see what happens going forward until next year.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the Dodgers are playing an entirely different sport. I'm not sure what sport that is, but it's not the same sport that the Cardinals are playing. Um But. <laughs> still they'll they'll face each other uh openings opening series right we go to go to la and we get a first-hand look at at yamamoto and otani and and everyone else should be should be uh interesting to say the least so well i don't want to beat around the bush we got a lot to get to today not a ton of cardinals news um but we still have a lot of content because again we asked you guys questions on the site uh what you wanted to hear from and we got a, a good response we've got like 30 or 40 questions to try to get through which we will I'll try to get through them all. First, though, sort of the biggest thing that's happened lately is that Zips came out. Zips is Dan Zimborski's projection system over at Fangraphs, and you can check it out on the site. The biggest article I've written in nine months is up there uh, on Zips. Most of it is explaining what Zips is, to be honest. Uh, not, not a ton of actual content in there, but uh, but it's worth the read. Uh, and it's our first kind of detailed look at what this team actually is. I think especially coming from a 71-win a team, um, it's hard to get, I feel like, and you guys can weigh on this too, hard to get sort of a feeling on how good this team is based on how good they were and then how bad they were and then are they back, are they not back, where where actually they are. And Zips is kind of that first sort of mile marker. picota comes out you know, much later, that first mile marker that sort of says this is what this team is. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but but Dan Zimborski's has the Cardinals at about 85 to 90 wins and um, a fairly good looking offense, um, sort of average or better across the board. Pitching staff we can talk about, um, good bullpen, uh, you know, some of the rotation stuff. It's It's very deep, I'll put it that way, surprisingly deep. And so a, a lot of things to go through. So let's just kind of start what I feel like is the most optimistic part of the projections. Which is the offense, and so I'll just throw it out to Gabe. We'll start with Gabe. Gabe, anything stand out to you on the offensive side of uh, the uh, ball from the projections from Zips? Um, well, I w- I sort
3: of agree, but I would say the most optimistic is the triple A pitchers' projections. But yeah,
0: yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, because the offense seems
3: reasonable, and uh, pitching seems like okay, uh, i believe it when I see it. Um, the thing that stood out to me about the offense honestly was the top near-age offensive comps. I maybe should have been later in the, the question for this because it's a little deeper. But no one well, we got Aramis er- Ramirez for Arenado, Jimmy, yeah. Rollins, Jimmy Rollins for Tommy Edmund, which I never realized Jimmy Rollins wasn't as good offensively as I thought he was because <laughs> it, it fits more than I thought, and I the, thought Rollins awesome. was like he got. And then uh Carlton Fist for Wilson Contreras. That's like one of the the best uh aging catchers history. He played until he was like 42 and was pretty good at like 40. And uh Nolan Gorman's was the most exciting because it's three guys you're like 30 plus WAR or higher for their career. Evan Longoria, Alex Gordon, Ron Say, and say and Longoria both have fifty five career war. Yeah. It's offense only, but like that's like mind I mean and that might be and then uh todd humley for jimmy Kirch was pretty fun honestly even though that's based off almost nothing
0: yeah yeah i haven't seen that one yeah
3: but uh yeah and then i wanted to also make the point about the pitching but there are literally no exciting uh pitching comps like not even i think uh ryan helsley got troy
0: percival cool that's about it <clears throat>
3: That, one, that one makes a lot
0: of sense to me. Troy Percival and and Ryan Helsley that uh, that that fits somewhere yeah. and and there's somewhere in my mental connections from the 90s. It seems to it really connect. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You didn't mention this one, Um, but uh Jordan Walker, his third hit. Well, Chet Lemon, first of all, is not a bad. Uh, we don't need to go down the the ancient path of that, but not a bad comp. But then Frank Robinson is oh, yeah, the that. number three comp for Jordan Walker. Again, it makes sense. Robinson was a Power hitter, not a huge contact guy. Um, built well, and- his career out of a, a lot of co- a lot of power over a long period of time. So Robinson's an interesting guy there. Also, you know, a, a tall hitter too. So uh, yeah. interesting comp for for. Walker. I forgot my by the way because Jason Worth is yeah, not- Lou, Gehrig.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Lou Gehrig. Yeah,
0: Lou Garrett. Yeah, Edgar
4: Martinez. Oh. He like- a Edgar
1: and
0: Martinez. Yeah, yeah.
1: With these uh, player comps, yeah, top near age. So it's that. Um. You would look at that season specifically that matches the age. Yeah, the age. So So, Lou
0: Gehrig's age, what thirty-six season? It was was
3: the day before, or the year before he retired. The year
0: before he retired. Yeah, probably wasn't going to collapse.
3: It's a good even though you know after that it didn't turn out well, but
0: yeah, already still battling you know the disease you know so yeah yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, Goldschmidt won't have you know anything like that. But still, it's a it's a you know Lou Gehrig, just such a. And I mean, Arenado man. got Brooks Robinson, which yeah, offensively that's not as exciting, but fits. I mean, it fits. It's that's a defensive one. Mike Lowell, even in the in between there, was a good hitter for quite a while. So a lot of lot of just cool names and yeah, yeah, yeah. those things. It's hard to you know put a lot of stock into them, but it's it's still a lot of fun. Matt Kapernick, by the way, was his uh, comp is looking <laughs> at him, Billy Bean. So, you know, <laughs> maybe he'll turn into the next great general manager. Yeah, that yeah. Would be...
4: uh, I'm dying to know how they created this model in order to get these player comps, like what like these inputs variables were just to like understand like how they would get someone like Aramis Ramirez or Brooks Robinson from Nolan Arenado. Like I get like defensive, but just like how they came up with some of these names like Lou Gehring for Paul Goldschmidt. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, we could have Dan on the show. I'm I'm like, this came out so fast to me that I, you know, I didn't even try to reach out to him, but if mm-hmm. we, if we wanted to, and we're not going to have any content for a couple of weeks, we could reach out and see if he wanted to come on this year or maybe book him for next year, because he's done some Cardinals podcasts. He does some podcasting. We know he checks out the site, board. you know, he's a, he's yeah. a distant friend of the site, but, but, you know, it wouldn't be hard to have him come on. And I think it would be a great interview uh, yeah. for our, our fans. So. I'm going to jump down. Just on my screen, it's a little weird. I know it'll record a little differently, but Adam, um, what stood out to you on the offensive side of the Zips?
4: Um, I mean, for me, it's just probably seeing that we've got a 2.1 WAR on uh, right field. That's probably just being carried by uh, Lars Núñez. His defense, right? I mean, you still have like Jordan Walker, but I was I'll be surprised if it's majority Walker played appearances in right field. If there are 2.1, if he's a 2.1 WAR out there, I'd be kind of shocked. Just simply because I feel like we're still going to have a little, bit of a little bit of a learning curve in terms of his defense out there. I think it'll be somewhat of a miracle if he is an average defender at right field at some point. I think you are going to have a career uh, below average guy. So seeing him at a 2.1 WAR, even with how good of a, of a hitter he is, seeing that 2.1 WAR right now this, at this stage of his career was kind of shocking to me. So I know it's position wise, but I know it's probably him. Taking a majority of the plate appearances.
3: Yeah. That's good news for you though. Walker has a two war projection with negative eight defense. Yeah. So that's legit. Wow. That's actually basically that's fair. that's fair.
4: That's fair. Yeah. I didn't see the I didn't see the rulebook. And I don't projection.
0: know how much there's a budget I don't I'm not sure there's really a positional adjustment in the in the defensive rating there. I really can't remember how he does it, but uh, as a point of comparison, you know, on the left side, Newt Barr is an average fielder, maybe a little bit above average in left. So he, he's a minus four, which does make me think there might be a positional adjustment. Um, but there's,
3: there's not like, a isn't very good at the defense, honestly. Do what? I said there's not a positional adjustment. You, uh, you got to look at where they're listed as a fielder. Newt Bar is listed as a center fielder. So that's part of why.
0: Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't think there was a position. So yeah, minus eight is just real. That's just a real you know, penalty for his defense and not not an optimistic one for him. But yeah, 2.0 F war with with that penalty is is pretty strong. A 122 OPS plus, which for our purposes would be the same as WRC plus. So,
2: Yeah, I think that's really the part that stood out to me when I looked at it is Jordan Walker is literally still 21 years old. And he's projected to be ever so slightly worse than Paul Goldschmidt as a hitter right now. And if you look at his 80th percentile outcome, it's some, like, ridiculous, like, 145 OPS plus, which is the highest on the team. Like, he, the guy clearly has superstar potential on the offensive side. Like, if he could even be an average defender, he's going to be an incredibly valuable player. Yeah. yeah,
0: which is asking a lot. But, I mean, I as I've written and we've, we've talked about it before – it's not like it's not like when they put Ryan Braun in the outfield and they tried him. Braun didn't have that <laughs> athleticism, you know. Walker's got the speed. Theoretically, he has you know soft hands from from being an infielder and a third baseman. He just literally has no time there at all. So he is the kind of guy that could, I think, could could progress fairly quickly. Now, now his peak probably isn't going to be very high, but he could go from horrendous to close to average faster than you know a typical hitter maybe i'm overestimating how hard it is to play right field i probably am uh but <laughs> you know it just doesn't seem like it's that hard i play the outfield it's <laughs> a so, so walker can't do <laughs>
1: right he certainly has to be better than me at it
0: <laughs> yeah. uh uh blake anything for you that stands out offensively yeah and i mean i think since we just talked about jordan walker
2: like I feel like Mason Wynn is the perfect contrast to him. Yeah. Because when you look at the war, it's almost like all of his war is being generated by his, his defensive value. I think his average 50th percentile OPS plus was 88. His yeah. 80th percentile was 107, I think. Um, so when you look at it, like, he's very likely to be a below average hitter. And I think this is where a lot of the variance comes in with him. Because when we looked at him play defense, like you can see the raw abilities there. But when you, the defensive metrics didn't grade him out super highly in his limited sample size. Like, there is a world in which Mason Wynn just is not a very good major league player, at least to start the year. Um, But there's also a world in which that defense comes around and, like, he can just have, like, Tommy Edmund, all the young seasons where he can be that, like, slightly below league average hitter and still be a three, four war player. Um, So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the glove pans out with him.
1: Mm-hmm. that kind of leads into something that i like noticed was that they have uh when projected with uh, 626 plate appearances which seems like i guess he is going to be the starting shortstop um but that seems like cause i know they use like past experience as a way to sort of generate these numbers and i since he didn't start as much last season it seems like a big leap to all of a sudden play you know have the most played appearances on the team
0: yeah that is because that's the highest uh, pa projection is 626 with win and 625 with walker i think Mm -hmm. some of that is is sort of like it assumes if they if they were healthy for 162 games how many PA's they were and what they're kind of saying there is that walker and win, really don't have any injury history at all in their past. And so there's a high chance of them getting up to what would about be the max. But like, you know, Aaron Autos is a little lower. Goldsmiths is a little lower, probably because of age. But like, like, you know, Nolan Gorman is at 504 because of what we saw last year. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. It,
1: it's, it's six thirteen, i think he's like the next guy to yeah know.
0: goldschmidt's a little high i started started that sentence yeah, and then had to correct myself. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> i am like i was like hey, his is actually pretty high because that was the other yeah. thing i noticed. i'm like dang yeah go goldschmidt like right oh man
3: <laughs> i think for the triple a guys that he just like us yeah like you said it assumes there's no um they just start as much as they can because victor scott's got 588 plate appearances thomas to jc 608 it's not like pretending how teams will utilize those plate appearances.
1: Yeah. That's something to consider when you look at like these war totals is that's assuming, you know, which if they do reach these, they probably will have, you know, a full a full, if they're playing this well, they probably will get a full season of plate appearances. But, you know, they might not.
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually wish Dan had like a war per 600 plate appearances column on there to like make it a rate factor. So it'd be easier for us to see because the war yeah. doesn't mean that much if the plate appearances aren't going to be matching what he has mm-hmm. there.
0: Cause I can't yeah. stand doing that math myself, man. That's yeah, <laughs> <can I stand laughs> to Don't myself.
1: make me do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I kind of agree. Cause it, especially with the pitchers too, it can get, you know, some of this we showed up on in our conversations on the site, we might as well jump down to the pitching. You know, it just it like your I wouldn't say your optimism, but maybe your feelings about the pitching staff really depends on how many innings you're willing to give to them. Because if you give Mickless and Lynn and Gibson 175 to 200 innings, their WAR war totals aren't bad, but they're not projected to do that. And so you know, so they end up in some cases not well below low two, but you know, not 1.9s across the board. So um, yeah, let's let's jump to the Let's jump to the pitching. By the way, I didn't really have anything else to add. I think you guys covered the as well. I and mean, one of the things I, I already wrote 300,000 words on this. So you all know that I was a little surprised that there weren't any stars. Um, I, I guess, I, I mean, I wasn't really surprised. I kind of anticipated it, hadn't thought about it, but I thought Goldschmidt's projection was a little disappointing. Um, and I think that the projections are baking in a little bit too much of a historical decline based on age. When you looked at his analytics, there's no reason to think that there's any decline coming next year. And so uh, a sub three, did they have him at a 3.0 3. four, three 3.1, yeah. whatever it was. I mean, like it's really hard for me to imagine him not being, you know, over yeah. 2.9 for him, not being over, you know, three and a half to four and a half war. Even if he produced that line and I actually have a lot of trouble thinking that he's going to produce that line uh, either. Like it should be, there's a lot of reason to think it'll be a little bit better than that. So, um Arenados, on the other hand I'm not I'm not so sure about a 3.4 F4 projection 116 WRC plus OPS plus is what it is. Uh I could kind of believe that. So Yeah. Yeah, we'll just uh we'll just have to see if the stars stay stars or some of these young players rise up and they could. I'm still a big believer in Lars Newpar. so we'll just see what happens. Okay, that's enough on offense. Let's go to pitching. And um let's just keep going with what we're doing. Gabe pitching staff you seem to be maybe optimism isn't the right word or maybe we're, we might not be even be using that one encouraged maybe would be a, a word about the pitching so tell me what you like about what you saw uh well it's so tricky because the international league
3: where the Memphis Roberts play yeah. their run environment is insane and I wonder if that's like slightly messing with the projections a little in a negative or positive way i don't
0: know it seems Be- like it is to in my opinion yeah go go ahead man
3: well yeah, i was going to say because it's uh, i think the league average era was 5.21 or something like that it's in the 5 plus range i know that and uh the adjustment that they made essentially is repeating what they do in triple a and the majors because that's how big of a difference it is and i i don't know if i totally buy that um i like the the massive arms that are one to 1.5 in like 100 to 120 innings. You figure some of these guys might pitch to it, whether it's Robersay, McGreevy, Percefo, uh, Libertor, Thompson. I mean, that's the encouraging part is that most of them have fairly good projections and they're not going to be wrong about all of them. I, I would think so just like the amount of pretty good projections I could pitch right now, is super encouraging and that's my big takeaway from the pitching the rest is pretty much what i would expect although one funny thing i noticed was sunny gray's 80th percentile is 0.2 war higher than his 50th percentile i don't know if you see that very often
0: no it's
3: 3.8 war whereas his 50th is 3.6 war
0: huh interesting um yeah so uh blake what do you think about that i mean because I don't know if you read it and you saw it. I mean, basically every AAA and Double A pitcher on the Cardinals is projected to be just as good as Kyle Gibson. Which, I'm sorry, that's not that's not going to be the case. (laughs) You know, I'm not the I'm I'm a fan. I'm like I'm fine with Gibson. He's a perfectly fine starter. But but two war 180 inning Kyle Gibson is not the same as Connor Lum. I mean, they're not they're not the same guy. There's no way that Victor Santos can come in here and make us forget that Kyle Gibson exists, right? I mean, or am I wrong about that?
2: No, you're not wrong. And I mean, when we look at it, like it literally has Connor Thomas projected for a lower fifth than Kyle Gibson. Right. It has... Drew Rom projected for like kind of a significantly lower fifth than Kyle Gibson. And I am absolutely not a Drew Rom and the rotation believer.
0: Drew Rom would be one of the best pitchers on the team. I mean, this is yeah. crazy.
2: Yeah. I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into the, a lot of those triple A projections. Um, I do think the Cardinals actually have a lot more like quality upper level pitching prospects than they did last year. And I think that helps. So while I do think the projections are high, I do think that they at least do have more pitching depth than than they had last year. If injuries do hit them hard. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm really not putting a whole lot of weight into expecting like Michael McGreevy to be a league average pitcher right now, or drew Rahm to be a better than league average pitcher right now.
0: But could, could Michael McGreevy come in and give you a four point? I mean, that is kind of, League average. What what are we going to say a league average FIP is? 4.3, 4.4? It's probably
2: in that like four four to four five range. You think so? I like yeah. Like probably Kyle Gibson at four fifty one is the projection. That's probably right about league average. Okay.
0: So McGreevy at four six one is a little bit above, a range. little bit worse than league average. You you don't think with a four and a half, four point three, you know ERA last in FIP last year at AAA in that run environment that McGreevy isn't a four and a half pitcher next year in the majors i
2: think it's possible i would hesitate to project that as his mid-range outcome yeah he does have, okay, he does that's a good serious, point yes he does have serious issues against lefties the quality of the stuff's just I'm, i question how many bats he's going to miss at the major league level and he's just, when you're at that point you're really just kind of <coughs> walking the tightrope if his command even takes like a half a step back with him nibbling around the edge too much it's it's going to hurt so it's definitely like within his range of outcomes i'm just not willing to project it as a 50th percentile outcome
0: yeah uh Adam, general, what, do you got, what do you got from pitching
2: yeah i was just going to say in
4: general um uh i tend not to put a ton of uh stock into these projections i know it's kind of just like fun to kind of look at over the off season, just kind of seeing but i know like like cardinals read jacob done like a like an R score like it did, like a correlation of the uh you know like between like actual like results and the zips projection is like a 0.3 r squared value which like shows that like the strength of the model is awful so it just kind of is there just to kind of like say hey like you know this player could be that worth this much and it's just in general just not really worth like a lot you know just long run but in terms of so i'm not really surprised in, like, to see like the, like oh like you know we're like to see a guy like michael McGreevy be at the average and it's just like makes no sense at all but in terms of your pitchers, just, you know, like that was one of like, you know, when you see Michael McGreevy as high as he was, even if it's just the league average, I don't think he'll probably be that, at least as a rookie, maybe at some point throughout his first six years of team control. But honestly, seeing the rotation as, you know, as it is right now, I guess that's probably like fine, except for maybe Sonny Gray at 3.6. I'm probably not expecting him to be as good, but, you know, I could be wrong. Uh But, you know, you also have the bullpen as well at 4.2. You know, it still shows that you need to add and address the bullpen as well. So um, really just for me, I'm not expecting 80 to 5 to 90 wins at all. I'm probably expecting more like 80 to 85 if they're lucky, um, unless they add, you know, unless they make some sort of substantial addition to the team, because right now it's still not looking pretty, at least in my end. Mm
0: -hmm. Heather, you got anything to add on the pitching side of things?
1: I have two things that I see. First of all, do you well let me start with this looks like this team is going to give up a lot of home runs because <laughs> i don't see a single home run per nine under one
0: <laughs> and i wonder if that's not normalized to one i i wouldn't surprise me if it was
1: oh, cause because that Gray, that
0: Gray limits home runs about as well as anyone and he's yeah a, and i don't see anyone below that and there's some Guys that can limit home runs in the minors too. So
1: and that would make me feel better if that were the case. Yeah, because <laughs>
0: I'm like, uh,
1: yeah, I'm looking at that and I'm like, that doesn't right. Michael, uh, Michaelis doesn't give up a lot of homers, does he? Maybe he did last season. I can't remember, but I no, thought he no, he with all his well struggles last season. that was part of the problem yeah. with
0: some of his stats. And is that he his home run rate was quite a bit better than expected. So yeah,
1: yeah, because I thought I, I said so I thought like with all his troubles he didn't give up a lot of homers. So uh, that was one thing I noticed. The other thing is, do you all think King Kent will get over a hundred major league innings no. this season? Not for no sure either. No, right? And the, is that projecting him for a hundred and four? No, no,
3: that's just they do that for the minor leaguers. It doesn't all the for double- minor
1: league innings? Okay, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Because I'm yeah. like, you think he'll get over hundred major league innings? Because I don't think so. He yeah. just just went up to AAA. Like, I'm like, how do you? Tell me how to read.
3: <laughs> it doesn't predict how the team will use the players. It just,
1: <clears throat> it's just doing overall innings. Yeah, um,
0: yeah okay. pretty much all like the minor leaguers are right at 100 or lower, and the ones that were injured are lower. So, like Tink Hintz is at 105. Uh, Toko Orobi missed quite a bit this season. He's at 87. So, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I totally knew that. That was for everyone else. <laughs> So that everyone else knows too. <laughs> I was just pretending. Good job, Heather. <laughs> but yeah, so those those two things, that was the one thing I stood out to me was the home runs per nine. But if that is not um like a pure like number uh projection, then that's not nearly as concerning as it was. Wow. I'm like, well, that's not good. That's not good at all.
0: Well, for for me, you know, one of the things that I was just sort of thinking about is and I'd have to go back and look at the actual numbers, but you know, it, it's really hard for me to get excited about pitching projections where I I, I realize that Grace is three point six F war on the actual image, but that's with the depth charts innings, not with the actual innings he's projected with with zips. So it zips as a one fifty-four with a 3.0 F War. Well, that's not, I mean, that's 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 still at that innings total, it's still one of the better pitchers like in the national league, so I don't have a problem with that. But but then, no other pitchers over two um concerns me um mm-hmm. quite a bit because the closest to two is Miklas, and Miklas is really only there because of innings. Uh, it's certainly not the peripheral stats that that fangrafts is showing for him. Uh, and then, you know, kind of the best, maybe the guy with the best peripherals, uh, on the whole team, practically is Steven Matz, but you know, they're only saying, I, I really, I don't want to do it, but I'm going, I'm going to end up doing it. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, know Mats. You know, they've only got him for 103 innings in 1. 1.5, you know, war. So he's not as good as gray. Um, but you know, last year, I, again, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I saw him yesterday, you know, um, Montgomery had a really good projection. Miklas had a had a over two two and a half, you know something projection last year. Flaherty had over two as a project. I mean, we had we had some pitchers that projected to be better than this staff, and obviously things went wrong for some of them. But you know, honestly, some of them just sort of fell back to the levels that that these guys are projected to now. Flaherty and Gibson, the difference between them is not not huge last year. And, and think about how bad we think that, that Gibson or that Flaherty was. See, I, I just mentally did it. Now, the difference is innings. You know, Flaherty struggled to get through his innings, and Gibson provided the innings, but also that's some of that's injury recovery and, and how they were used. So I think the depth is encouraging. I think the quality is challenging, and mm-hmm. you're really just going to have to hope that Sonny Gray stays healthy. Otherwise, um, there's going to be some some issues. So let's let's go down to the next one. I think it's a good time for doing. Now, Adam's already already cued us off for his. So so I don't know, Adam, if you got anything else. We're, we're talking about projected win total. Uh, uh, Dan Zimborski and his cats say eighty-five to ninety wins. Adam says eighty to eighty-five. Uh, anything you want to add to that? Or are we good? We good there, Adam?
4: Unless somebody else explain theirs.
0: Situation. Okay. <laughs> so let's just go. Let's go reverse, um uh, because I like to mix things up and keep these guys on their toes. um Heather, where you got them at right now, based on zips, just zips. You I realize first? that you know we don't we're not making our final predictions yet. So how are you feeling right now?
1: So what does it say? 85 to 90 was the projection. 90 feels high. 85, like this is splitting hairs probably, but I don't know why. But 90 feels high. Maybe like 88, some between those two, but like that's def- which this is what 85 to 90 means. So I just picked yeah. one 85 to 90, <laughs> 87
0: and a half, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: right, because 90 feels like it's too high, like maybe 88 at the highest. So maybe I would move that range down from like 83 to 88, okay. like at the most, uh, just because the like we kind of talked about this. Um, uh, I'm a little concerned about um Nolan Arenado's aging. Um, I'm con- not concerned, but Tommy Edmond seems to have gotten a pretty good projection. So has mm, a lot of Mason wins. value seems to be in defense. And we don't know if he's even going to get like all those, um, plate appearances. Uh, Jordan Walker might take another year or so to really come into his own. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks on that, uh, offense for me, even though it seems pretty strong and then I think also I'm traumatized from last (laughs) and then the pitching um the pitching does not inspire a lot of confidence uh like I said I feel like they're they like like you mentioned there's a lot there's depth it's just like a lot of like medium, you know and that could that could be fine
0: (laughs) So we're gonna we're gonna drop you at 87 and a half or lower is what yeah. I kind of hear you saying. Okay, that's what Blake, I think. Like what you got?
2: I agree with I'm. I agree with Heather. I'd probably lower like the 85 to 90 instead of 85 being the low end. That feels kind of like the middle ground to me. So mm-hmm. I'm probably in that like 83 to 87 range, at least based on zips. And obviously, like if there's the just decide to bring in a couple of relievers, that's going to go up, etc. So I think just based on the zips, it's like 83 to 87.
3: Okay. Um. I. I mean i'm probably in the same range as you guys um what i like to do when i look at these things is like where's uh, somebody uh, overperforming and what their likelihood is of overperforming and then raising our win total and we got a couple of good candidates uh for that i think jordan walker being a big one if he explodes with bat nolan gorman being probably the biggest one yeah Um, if he
0: disappointed in gorman's projections honestly i think that there's more there than what they're giving him but Well, yeah, that's what my point is.
3: If if uh, you think they're low on a guy, then well, like it's funny that you said Goldschmidt because he's an example of where I don't know if there's a whole lot of upside beyond his projection because, like, maybe he's a four-war player, but that's less than a win or less. And whereas like Arenado, I'm slightly higher on him than you guys seem to be. Where I think he has a decent shot of having another five-war season because uh, I think his defense is. I don't know, plus six or something. I don't. Know, I'm just. I ha- I believe in the uh sort of narrative where he kind of just the the second half just took it out of him or whatever and
1: like he was hurt and then they were losing and yeah and he just stopped trying. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope. I, really I he, hope that's the
3: case. <laughs> well, I don't think he stopped trying. I don't know. There's.
1: I don't, don't want to say stop trying, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I,
3: whatever. I, yeah. I, I think there's upside in Arenado. I don't think there's a whole lot of upside with Mason wins projection uh, just because I would mm-hmm. be surprised if he's immediately an elite defender. Uh, So that part's kind of a bummer. Um, But it feels like there's more players where I look at it and I'm like, I could see them going higher than there are players where I could see them going lower. So, I mean, uh my main hope is uh, just most of the young guys just take a huge step forward and we'll end up looking like a better team than maybe we do on paper right now. But yeah, I, 85 to
0: 90. I pretty much agree with that. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, I think I'm probably closer to to Adam here. Um, yeah, I, here's what I'm here's where I'm basing this off of is, is that one we don't know that what else they're going to do, but I would presume that whatever else they do isn't going to add much to the war win totals. Like it would improve the team, but the difference, and I talked about this a little bit, the difference between Jordan Hicks or Phil Matten and Nick Robertson is that or whoever right is is just not huge like it's i mean it's there but it's not it's not it's not even a win it's not even a war you know so it's it it would help the team it'll help us feel better about it it'll certainly help us win some games that we might have lost but in the aggregate everything kind of evens out for these relievers but for me it's who's going to go down like like what tragedy Is going to happen in spring training. What pitcher is going to go down in spring training? And if it's Lance Lynn, you know, maybe it doesn't matter that much because maybe they're maybe, you know, I still Zips isn't a huge fan of Zach Thompson. I think Thompson would be fine. Um, I think Libertar would be pretty much fine based on the numbers we're talking about four and a half to 4.7 FIP. I think Libertar could probably do that. It hurt the bullpen, but they'd have time to make that up. If, if, if um, Gibson or Gray in particular, end up missing 10 to 15 starts. Oh boy, I, man, I mean, it could get ugly fast. And and yep. I just don't know that the offense has the, the juice left with an older Goldschmidt and a shaky Arenado. I, I agree with you on the upside, Gabe, but what's he going to do? You know, I, I don't know that the juice is there to pull them out of it. Uh, like they didn't do it last year. So not that they would be down to 71 wins again, but I could easily see, you know, in 78 to 84 range, you know, if we're going to stick to a five or six range, I'd probably lean on the higher end of that today. But then, but then if something, when that thing happens, you know, we're back down to a 500 club for me. Um, for now, we'll see. I might change my mind, depending on how I decide to see what Matt's is going to do. <laughs> but uh, that's... <laughs> Did you mean to say Gibson. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I, I like Gibson. Like, I I don't think Gibson is a one-and-a-half-war player. I think Gibson is a two-and-a-half-war player. Well, I so. mean, it
3: has him as effectively a two-war two, two war if he pitches a full season. But I don't know. I don't think him going out would impact the season too much. But well, if...
0: I mean, more than more than who? More than an injured man. I mean, Matt's we're not counting on him that much. Lynn, you know, I guess Gibson's the guy that I'm like, he, he should be over two. He's the only one that I think, other than Gray, that should definitely be over two. If they lose that then you're counting on, I think mean, you're already, I mean, someone else is going to get hurt her. So you're already, I'm already kind of counting Thompson at that point. You're down to Lieber You're down to uh, raw. I mean, we don't even know exactly who the next guy in line would be. And I do think the gap between what I view Gibson as and what ROM actually is, I think is larger than what the zips projection says. And I think it could, it could just have a trickle down effect throughout the whole bullpen and system and everything. So okay. we'll see um but but yeah i'm probably probably in the 78 83 range with probably an 82 win being my my midpoint so we'll see where we go from there okay um cardinals still have money left um they're still 6 million below where they were last year in their budget still got 20 minute 20 million below what i projected as their budget 30 million below what they've said their budget is for the whole year uh, which is over 200 so um, why haven't we seen any reliever signings, guys? Are, are are we still expecting this? Are the Cardinals just... I mean, we haven't seen any around the baseball either other than, you know, uh, Wu Sun Goob signed, you know, the other day so- and Matsui before Christmas, I think. So what's what's going on? What's the holdup here? Anyone can jump in. Just <laughs> whoever wants to talk about
2: it. I mean, I think you hit it earlier. Like, there's just not been a whole lot of movement. And if the market's not moving, the Cardinals probably don't feel the need to jump in it. And especially if they're trying to add... a. I mean, certainty in the bullpen isn't exactly something you can count on, but if they're trying to look for guys that are maybe a little more sure going for somebody like Wusako or Yukimatsui, like they both have some red flags in the profile and they could hit big. They could also miss kind of big. And it's not even necessarily about the money there as much as it is the Cardinals just actually wanting and needing production in the bullpen. So I'm fine with them sitting those out if if that's not who they wanted so besides that, there at hasn't been a whole lot of movement. Like if the Cardinals are in heavily on Jordan Hicks, like I can imagine they're not the only team that's in on Jordan Hicks. So that might just be a slower moving market. And they want to see how that develops before they do anything else. So they got a lot of their business done early. It's fine to me if they want to wait till close to the spring training, as long as they actually go out and get the bullpen arms that they need.
0: Is there a reason? Uh, I'll just go randomly, Gabe. Is there a reason why Matsui and you know, one of them was, uh, I think goo was, a uh, uh, go was, a. Uh, um, he had a qualifying, not a qualifying offer. What am I trying to say? Uh, posting fee. Posting. Yeah. So we had a timer on his, on his stuff, but why would those guys sign before someone like Hicks and, and Matt and some of these other basically high end, not quite closer level, but, but high quality relievers. Like what, why are those guys still on the market at this point? Well, I mean,
3: yeah, like you said, part of it is the, they have a window, but also part of it is I, they probably wanted to play in the West Coast and the, the Padres were interested and it was just an easy sort of negotiation probably on some level. And yeah. I, I mean, and I don't know, like, how much interest there was from around the league, I guess, in theory, because if they're, like, interested in the West Coast, maybe some teams aren't even calling them, like, we know you're going to go to the Padres, Dodgers, or Giants, or whatever, so uh, we're probably not going to pay you more than, like, 20 million so there's no point in getting this in this I don't know. that's my best explanation there, there being a sort of self-imposed not self-imposed uh, a deadline to when you can sign them is probably the biggest reason just they need to get it done at a certain point which is not true of any other reliever that's the best i got
0: yeah i guess i would just expect something soon i mean i, I don't know how the market's going to change at this point <clears throat> you got a pretty good idea of what hicks is demanding who's interested in them same with matt and same with these others and i realize there's Choices. And and I guess there's a lot of, you know, I guess they're probably still waiting on the starters to get their jobs done too. Snell still out there and, and Montgomery. So just been a kind of a surprisingly slow market considering, you know, everything that's been out there and the wild need for pitching. So Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just continue to wait, but um, I do, I, I kind of think you guys do as well do expect them to bring in a reliever or two and spend a little bit of that money. And, um, I don't know that that would really finish off this team, but it would be a step in the right direction, I suppose. So, Adam, any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, um, you know, just in general, uh, in terms of, you know, the the bullpen, I'm kind of shocked that they haven't addressed, you know, kind of more of that pitching staff in general. You know, we thought there would be more in the starters, and then, you know, we also thought they would be addressing some of the guys that we saw the Padres go after with Yuki Matsui and Lusoko, um, I just think in general, I think they're gonna be missing just quite a bit still. You know, we talked about this as projection. I the reason why I said eighty to eighty five and why you were kind of with me on that, JP, is that I, th- you know, the the rotation and the the bullpen are like decent, but I think the lineup is for as decent as that is as well. I think you're missing an extra bat. I was thinking I was looking the Cardinals are like a one oh four WRC plus compared to other teams that are higher in the national league. So Overall, there's just a lot to be missing here, and especially when we talk about the bullpen as well. Yeah.
0: Well, let's jump to some of our questions uh here. And I got some that um that I don't know that all of us necessarily will take, but we'll we'll do sort of broader range questions and then we'll jump to some faster sort of area of expertise questions, like some prospect questions that Blake will hit and some payroll questions I'll hit and and some writing questions that Heather will hit, you know. So <laughs> we we'll, we'll kind of spread yeah. those around, but But let's just start at the beginning. Um, This is a hypothetical. I thought this was a really good question from uh, THP0344. Uh, He asked, the Cardinals win 85 games in 2024. Now what? Fire people, change strategy, or continue on? And I guess we could answer this two ways, although we don't just spend a lot of time here. What, What you would do and what you think the club would do. 85 wins. Let's assume that misses the playoffs or right at the very back end of it, you know, that probably wouldn't take the division. I'd be shocked if 85 wins takes the division. So let's say they sneak into a last wild card spot, Uh, 85 wins. What would you do at the end of the season? What will the Cardinals do? Gabe, go ahead.
3: Well, I saw that question. I was like, God, I I really need more context for this to answer this. But um, based off what the Cubs, Reds, Pirates, Brewers have done and are maybe likely to do, I think 85 wins might win the division to be perfectly honest and
0: It'd be very unusual, but the talent's not there. So, I
3: mean, the Cubs lost Bellinger and Stroman and they yeah. an owner announced at the beginning of the offseason we're going to keep our payroll at 187 million or whatever the hell it was. And there's not a whole lot of room for them to operate and whatever they get will just match what they did last year. If not uh, make it worse. So I'm not that high in the division uh, as large. Um, so I guess based off the fact that I'm not that high in the division, if 85 wins would change nothing really. um, But like I said, it, I really need more context to answer that question properly because how does Nolan Gorman develop? How does Jordan Walker develop? How does Mason win? Because if those guys look like, oh, we're going to the stratosphere next year, well then you obviously don't need to change anything. But if, uh, I don't know, four or five pitchers break down, okay, well now we need to change our pitching again. So I, I mean
0: I don't yeah, yeah I, that's a good point because that I, one total yeah. could could prove that what they're doing is working could also demonstrate that what they actually did failed you yes, know? Exactly. So, yeah exactly yeah yeah um Blake you got any I mean really assuming the context we have or whatever context you want to assume what what do you think
2: I mean just assuming we're just going to take it face value 85 games and who the Cardinals are they're probably not going to change anything and if they do change. I mean, in terms of personnel, like if they change something, it's probably going to be Ollie Marmo who gets fired and not John Moselec. I think Mosalak's basically going to get his last year, get moved into whatever upper role that, that DeWitt wants to move him into, and he's not going to get fired before that happens. So really the only change would be as a, from the manager. Um, in terms of strategy, like, again, I think if we're going to see Mo and, and DeWitt still – in the same positions, then the strategy might get tweaked, but I'm not, you're not going to see the cards make a U-turn on something. That's just not their style. So I wouldn't expect a, a ton of changes, especially if 85 wins gets them into the playoffs. I think if it doesn't, then that's when Marble might be on the hot seat a little bit, um, but not a whole lot of changes.
0: Yeah. Let's move to the next one. This is from J dog 55. Uh, always a fan of J-Dog. Hey, man. (laughs) Uh, I like this question. Uh, We'll start. We'll go Heather and Adam on this one. Uh, You're starting a super team using NL players currently on a major league roster. Would any Cardinals make it? Uh, Heather, go ahead. Super team, NL players only. Any Cardinals on it?
1: I, I feel like you would have to put Paul Goldschmidt on your team. <laughs> Either Goldschmidt or – I I won't, I won't take Arenado. I'll just go Goldschmidt. But, like, those were the two finalists for the – or, yeah, for the MVP, not last season, the season before. Um, And Paul Goldschmidt is a season away from an MVP. I, I feel like – I'm trying to think of um, an all-first baseman that I would prefer to him, with, especially with Freddie the – yeah that that would be probably one of them but Goldschmidt's one of the better is Freeman pretty good at defense too I guess he is but Goldschmidt's one of the better defenders at first base also yeah Yeah. so I mean I'm not building um uh I'm not building a I'm just building a one season team right (laughs) so it's not like a you know future I have to worry about so that I probably would be yeah hard-pressed to not put Goldschmidt on my team even even if a DH or something.
0: Yeah. Adam?
4: Yeah. Um I if we're building like an all like top twenty-five team, um, I guess you could probably put Goldschmidt and Arnado at somewhere, maybe in a reserve. Maybe Arnado makes a starting team, but I would probably have Freddie Freeman at my first base spot. Um, maybe over Paul Goldschmidt. But I think Goldschmidt probably makes a team as like a DH or like a second team guy.
0: Yeah. I think the I think the obvious one that um wouldn't get thought of uh if you're oh. going 25 men deep that means you need eight relievers and Sweet. there are not eight relievers in the yeah. nl better than ryan helsley you know yep. so oh, yeah. uh one. helsley helsley's the other addition that i'd throw in there um that's probably it um you know i probably would also have i hadn't really thought about the bench actually so yeah i'd probably have goldschmidt and Aaron on as well so those those are those are my three uh yeah uh i love the name cool noodles Ah, uh, which current young cardinal? Uh, let's go, uh, Blake, uh, on this one to start, and then we'll then I'll pass it around a little bit. Which current young cardinal has the best chance of being being a superstar for the team for many years? Current young cardinal has the best chance of being a superstar. We've had this question before. It's an easy answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Jordan Walker. I mean, when you yeah. see who <laughs> can hit the ball
2: as well as he can at twenty-one, like he doesn't have to do that much, honestly, defensively, to be an incredibly valuable player. So it's Jordan Walker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone down in the minors that we wanted to point out? I mean, I realize it says current young Cardinal and, and really only have one choice. Maybe two. I, I mean, I guess. Newbar, I mean, bar. New bar. Oh, younger. Of, we, yeah. Qualifies, does he qualify as still being young? I suppose so. so yeah,
1: he's young. Younger yeah. than me. <laughs> That's <laughs> <Well>. young. <laughs> 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 right. right? Someone tell me I'm right. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Question best chance. What was it again? Best chance of being a superstar. You know, it's, it's yeah. Walker. Yeah.
3: I go pitching side. You could go. I and slightly higher into Koa Roby than Tinkins, but you could go either one of them, honestly. Yeah. Well, I'm
1: kind of thinking of the two, <laughs> like besides ability playing ability although i think jordan walker also has the personality and charisma to be a superstar but like lars newbar has this international fame now
0: <laughs> yeah. you
1: know from the newbar's um,
0: world... already been a, he's super already a superstar he's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not necessarily <laughs> in america <laughs> yeah
1: so you know like newbar maybe that that could i'm just trying to think of a non-jordan walker answer because that's the that's you know just because we have to be somewhat entertaining, right? <laughs>
4: yeah, I guess. I will you could... personally say, "Oh, go ahead." Yeah.
3: No, I, I'm figuring. It. Do you have a different answer than Walker or no?
4: Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna go with Nupar. I feel like the narrative that it's a Walker runaway is a little overstated, just simply because that we know that Walker will never be a superstar defender. At least we think he won't. Go or Nupar? Or yeah, Walker is Nupar. Will potentially be at least above average, if not better. And who's to say that Lars Newbar can't be a 135, 140 WRC-plus play- player at peak? I think he absolutely can. Yeah, and sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens as early as next year. Yeah. So hmm. I think that he's, like, his, like, maybe 60th or seventy percentile outcome is maybe, like, a four- or five-war player. And it's not entirely different for Jordan Walker. But I just, you know, if you want to answer Walker, go ahead. But I feel like Neubauer isn't too far down the list if he's not on par, if not maybe even above Jordan Walker. Good
0: point. I'll add to
3: that, sort of, not for newpar but um, that there's a decent argument you could answer either Nolan Gorman, because Gorman has already made huge strides from one year to next, and one of the biggest indicators of being able to become a superstar is adjusting successfully. Yeah, Walker. Tech, I mean, Walker has done that, hitting wise at least. Yeah. But uh, Gorman made huge strides both defensively and offensively, and in Win's case, if he's really an elite, elite defender. I mean, have you seen Francisco Lindor's seasons? His bat has never been crazy, and he's post he posts like five, six, seven more seasons. Like yeah. his his uh, ceiling maybe is like a one hundred and thirty, uh, but like he's got a couple five or years with like a one hundred and five work. And if Wynn is that kind of defender, I mean, he could be a perennial All Star MVP candidate, basically.
0: Yeah. Good. Um, what do you guys want to do now? Like we've got three different categories. We're not gonna get all the questions. Not even gonna try to get all the questions. Um, I think the most questions honestly was in this prospect area. So let's do that. So uh uh we'll we'll hit some of these prospect questions and um man, I I really feel like London Bird's question is worth acknowledging, but he even said it's gonna be it needs to be like a full on podcast, and I agree with that. So London Bird, I'm gonna acknowledge your question. Uh, top 10 pitching prospects in the organization. Unless, Blake, you can just give me 10 names real fast. I can literally go down the list. Do, I've it, been do it. Do it. Yeah, awesome give me 10 guys. names. Give right. London for 10 names. Completely context-free.
2: Taco Roby, Tink Hens, Cooper Jerpy, Gordon Graceffo, Michael McGreevy, Max Radrick, Samra Bursa, Ian Bedell, Adam Klopfenstein, mm. Bryson Motz.
0: Yeah, one more, man. I like that one. That's impressive. Is <laughs> <laughs> that
1: yeah. 9
0: or is that 10? I don't know. I started <laughs> counting at like five. So <laughs> like five. we'll call it ten. Yeah, we'll call it ten. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We just answered your question, London. Well, we'll but I we will. We we'll definitely have Kyle back at some point. I still want to have Kyle and Big John Mize together because I don't think that I'd you know, I won't even say anything. It'll just be those two arguing and laughing <laughs> at each other. It'd be great. And then Blake being being Blake. So yeah. yeah. Um, let's go with Gabe on this one from Western Redbird. We kind of already talked about this, but I don't know if he had anything else to say. Why are projections high on win this year?
3: Uh, I mean, at defense basically. Um, the, they're not that high on the offense, I mean, oh. it's like an 88, right? Yeah, That's seems fair enough. I mean, that's, that's the best answer I can give. It's just that they're pretty high on his defense because I think he posted a Biggest improvers midseason, or when I say he, I mean Dan Szymborski. Uh midseason he said the biggest improvers, and Mason was one of the top five, and yep. the reason why was because they had him as like a plus 10 in AAA, which I take that with a grain of salt because I don't think their defensive whatever is uh, accurate at all, but he clearly has the tools to be that good, so defense is the reason why his projection is so good. Yeah.
0: Adam, you've been one of the—I wouldn't say detractors. You've been—you've been the lowest on win uh, among us, mostly around his bat. So let me just ask you that this way: What are your thoughts on Mason Wynn hitting an eighty-eight WRC plus? Like, is that within your realm of possibility, or is that even high for you?
4: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think at some, I think. I think at some point his 50th percentile outcome throughout the first six years of team control is 100. So for him to be at 88, somewhere along that line in his, his first full year of season is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to say about Wynn is that I didn't know that his, he's improved his hard hit percentage year after year by a ton. You know, like I think it was about the same single and triple A but the fact that it may have like fluctuating a little bit higher in the season and single in high A and double A and years where we don't have minor league data available to us publicly, um, I guess could give you some reason to believe that, Hey, it could potentially hit for a little bit more power. So if that's the case, I could see him maybe reaching a little bit of a higher WRC projection, but even then I'm still not sold on Mason. When even going into the season, we saw what happened for the small sample
0: size. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get all the names of the of the question askers here, and so I missed this one. I'll try to look it up while uh, Blake is answering the question. Uh, <laughs> Blake, I love this question. What's the truth of Cooper Jerpy? Talk Jerper to me, baby. Uh, what's the truth of Cooper Jerpy? It's it's a really hard question to answer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the truth
2: on Cooper Jerpy is that we really just have to wait and see. I mean, he's, he's got a super high ceiling, but there's just a lot of potential outcomes in there. He's just a high variance prospect, honestly, at this point. And I think a lot of that's because his his control and command backed up a little bit from where it was at in college. Um, I think that's due, like, kind of to maybe... He had, like, some elbow issues during the year. I think it was, like, a, a loose body in his elbow, whatever that means. Um, I can see how that would affect command. So if he comes back and his command's better, I think he's going to do, go- do... Like, he's going to show himself a lot better than he did this year. He had issues against lefties, which can happen with guys with about arm slot. So I can see why some people would think he's just going to be like a loogie basically. Um, but I think he's got the changeup that he needs to counteract righties. He just has to be able to command his stuff well as a whole when he's pitching to lefties. And he just didn't have that command last year. He couldn't get inside on hitters and he really needs to get inside on righties with that back foot slider. If he's going to actually have success with it. So, I mean, the guy can miss bats. He's got outlier release traits. The fastball plays really well at a low velocity, the slider and change of nasty. the other bridges, everything together. Like all the stuff you want to see from metrics perspective is there. It's just going to be if he can command his pitches well enough and if he can get out to get his lefties. So yeah. he's probably one of three guys in the system who has top the rotation ceiling. There's just a lot of potential outcomes that are short of that too. Yeah.
0: By the way, that was SW3775, if I can read my TV from across the <laughs> screen, uh, that asked that question. So thank you, SW, uh, and thank you, Blade for for getting jerpy on us. So uh, I think that's good for the prospects. Uh, a couple of the questions. Sorry, guys, we didn't get them all. Uh, but some of them, honestly, we've answered in other uh, other questions or we, we have whole podcasts on. And so go back and check through our history on YouTube and you can see some of those things already being answered there. All right, let's talk a little bit of contract stuff. I'll take this one's from the Duke. Hey, Duke, uh, if the starting budget ends up where we expect it to, uh, plus or minus some relievers, what does that mean? How do you interpret what's going on? Well, Duke, uh, I haven't written about payroll for a while, but I think if I was going to write about it, what I would say is that it seems to me that the Cardinals um, set a budget total um, and didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because their primary concern was sort of taking care of their business before they lost out on the ability to do so. And what I mean by that is that early in the offseason they're like, okay, who wants to be here? I mean, literally what they said, who wants to be here? Well, today we can sign Lance Lynn. And today we could go ahead and get, Kyle Gibson, Kyle Gibson's not a bad pitcher, We go and get him, right? Or we could try to get Edwin Jackson, not Edwin Jackson, that's, that's a little. <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't know why, i am always thought of them, they're basically the same pitcher, they really, they really were. Eduardo Rodriguez, there's my comp, by the way, for Eduardo Rodriguez, I just gave it to you, I haven't ever written it, but it's true. Uh, we could try to get Eduardo, we could try to get, you know, some of these other guys, or we could just go ahead and take, uh, you know, Lynn and Gibson right now. And and then, you know, take our shot at Gray, who we think we got a really good chance that they did. So they got that done. And then they're like, oh, well, we've got all this budget space left. Let's try to save as much as we can, because it's still November. And and then we'll see what comes along the rest of the rest of the year. So they backloaded Gray's deal and gave themselves a bunch of flexibility. And then they were like, well, what else do we need to do? I mean, this is a very Cardinals answer we don't have to do anything else except for maybe we <laughs> will see what happens to Jordan Hicks. And now we can always just sign Phil Matton and, you know, we'll probably be good enough. There's always the trade deadline. We'll have plenty of money to save. So I think it was really about Mosaic wanting to ensure that he didn't caught with his, get caught with his pants down, you know, and they just, they jumped in the deals, they made them. And now we've got, uh, I wouldn't say, a, what's the word, an optics problem with the budget, but you know, that's the second year in a row in that. You do wish they would have spent more, but also I guess the way that the market's gone, I would be really nervous if we were sitting here with gray signed and nothing else done, you know, because that's the way the pitching market is kind of gone. Even August is still out there. All these other guys are still out there. I'd be really nervous today if we had one starter with the way things are going. So can't hardly blame them, but but that's the story. So um, that's that question. Uh, to the second one here. I think it's another good question. I'll just let you know some of you take this one. I'll start with Gabe. Uh Tommy Edmund under team control for 24 and 25. Do you see Edmund getting a contract ex- extension?
3: Probably not. Um, he kind of, I mean, not a good comparison, but they didn't give, I mean, Colton long they didn't accept his team option. I think they might just let him go to free agency when the time comes, yeah. especially if Peter Scott becomes maybe what the VB readers clearly think he'll be, uh, being the number three prospect in the system, apparently. Um but um, yeah, and then we got Gorman at second or Donovan at second and we got Win it short. So, I mean, unfortunately, I think he's probably just going to get squeezed out eventually and maybe we trade him before he reaches free agency to get a pitcher or something. But yeah, I don't think there's like any chance of a contract extension personally. Yeah.
0: I think it's telling that they've moved him off position or out of or into a different position twice. They love him. They absolutely love him. But as soon as sort of anyone came along that they were more excited about, the, you know, Edmund was the one that was moved. And I think that as long as the roster keeps going in the same direction, you know, more prospects coming up, prospects making it, then Edmund's going to eventually get shifted out. So, all right, let's talk uh, a little bit about, um, there's some questions about players, managers, positions, things like that. Heather, I got this one for you. Which i you're you to love it. Uh, <laughs> who is the next manager after Ali Marmal? Who do you got?
1: You think... Do you think it's Yadier Molina?
0: I'm asking you the I, question.
1: I so here's the thing. I don't really know, like, because they also have, um, you know, they have pop Warner as an option as well. He was the manager for the Springfield Cardinals, and he's the third third base coach now. I believe that would be an option. Um, it seems like they would have went to him already, though, if he were someone that they wanted in that role you know and and to me Ollie Marmol kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> to be the manager I think he was was he the bench coach so they they also do seem to like do that where they have the bench coach like it's almost like they're a little they're like moving through to manager sort of manager training then manager um who is the current Bench
0: coat, Scalzo, I think, is, right? For is
1: Descalso. it Yeah, that's it. Okay, so <laughs> that would be interesting. Isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So yeah, if I mean, if really history is any indication, it could be Daniel Scalzo, and we all know he didn't serve in World War ii to not be a leader of men. <laughs> <laughs> that is an ancient VEB reference that
0: is I I guess it is I
1: don't know if you were if you remember that one but that one <laughs> that is the curious case of I think I linked it secretly somewhere once
3: yeah. um, but that
1: is the curious case of Daniel Descalso yeah, if I anyone wants article. to look that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't even think it's on VEB I think it's on the defunct um St. Louis Arch City not Arch City Sports St. Louis Sports Espionation site. Um, anyway, but that would be interesting. So I said a lot of things, but I it does seem like maybe descalza would be the next person. Yeah. That'd be fun.
0: I'm gonna say something crazy (laughs) here, and I'm gonna say the next person is someone we've never even heard of right now. Yeah. I think that the Cardinals are gonna enter re enter their eighty to you know ninety win total and stay there for multiple years. And so all is just gonna keep the job for a while, which would be fine with me. I've Mm No real problem with Ollie. I'm not super impressed with them, but yeah. I like it when they win. And if they win with Ollie, I'm happy. So, <laughs> you, know. Do
3: you guys think that if Ollie's fired midseason, is then discussed with the coach? Because I was listening to the radio, and they all assumed Yachty was going to be the successor. and I don't think that's true at all, personally. It
1: doesn't seem like they're setting him up for that. He seems no. more like a Okendo sort of coaching role.
0: It it would. I'll tell you who it would be. It would be Joe McEwing. What they did was they promoted. Out
1: of I the, forgot about Lil the
0: bench coach role into where he's like a supervisory position over coaches they would just they would just pop him down into the manager Assuming unless they had unless they wanted tocalzo to potentially compete for the job but McEwing would just be a temporary placeholder for them to hire and I think that's mm-hmm. why they would go that that route personally this is my opinion so yeah.
1: I, I i agree I think you're right on there. I completely forgot about that move. That, did that also happen this off season? Yeah,
0: yeah, they did. They man, spent,
1: that felt like it was uh, years ago.
0: <laughs> they made quite a few pitching changes. In fact, Derek yeah. Gould was kind of talking about that a little bit. Which I mean, the Cardinals want to put everything in their payroll, I guess. But he was talking about how part of the issue with payroll is that they've, you know, coaching and coaching expenses is part of quote payroll, not not forty man or twenty six man payroll, but it's part of their expenses, and they've added you know payroll there, so it's yeah, something you know, to those factor. coaches
1: that are making twenty million a season. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Paying for Billy Joel to come in, apparently, according to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You guys had any other thoughts on manager? Or are we good there? Good. We're good. Okay. Um, we talked about an uh, Arenado. we talked about center field um times. <clears throat> so let's talk writing. We this we'll finish Ooh. this out with two writing questions. I love this question, Heather. So here you go. Uh okay. our our um fascist dictator, uh <laughs> <Sarah Simon. laughs> right. <laughs> um, telling us what to write all the time, and me, the site editor <laughs> who changes all of your posts, never edited one of your posts. Um, I, I think the only posts I've ever edited are well, I won't even I won't even say uh, is yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heather from Salty Cracker. As writers, uh, are you encouraged to write positive things about the Cardinals, Heather? Go.
1: Okay, so I thought about this actually quite a bit. And here's, here's how I kind of look at this, at least writing for VEB, right? It's a fan sort of site, you know, ran by fans, written by fans, for fans. And I'm a fan of the Cardinals and I always use that lens with everything I write about them. Um, and so I don't want to write negative things. It's not really my personality personally for me. Uh, but I think there is a place for that. And I think that's a good healthy amount of you know being realistic and being positive uh there's a quote from avatar the last airbender where her, um one of the characters it's katara says something about um uh says something optimistic and and then her brother says uh something about you think I'm lying he's like no you're an optimist it's like basically the same thing I butchered the quote I should have looked it up (laughs) I just butchered it and I normally can quote that off the top of my head like it's nothing I've seen that show so many times but anyway it's like it's like being a realistic versus being optimistic and not necessarily those aren't necessarily the same thing um so anyway the point of that is that I try to find pot even in like bad seasons there's usually positive things happening or or even if you're writing about something negative you don't have to like be negative about it it can just be you know sometimes things just are (laughs) um so I always try to find things that people would want to read and people don't always want to read like oh cardinals are the worst (laughs) Like you you know they're the worst you can see with your eyes so let's find something interesting within that lens (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a long-winded answer but
0: i'm not the longest tenured writer here gabe i think probably would be um so gabe you can answer this question too but so far in my tenure here since 2019 no one has told me what to write at all you know <laughs> so, yeah i, just, I just write whatever i want to uh basically sometimes you know yeah i just write whatever i want hey, gabe has anyone ever told you what to write no one time i wrote something that got deleted <clears throat> oh yeah yeah, I, was, yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember that. The I, famous I cor-
3: in Mexico when I was
1: the uh, famous corn cob recap. Yeah. It, was, it
3: was a base as a game recap, and it got deleted. And <laughs> it was one of my best <laughs> <laughs> Got get oh.
4: in the group chat. Can yeah. all read
2: it. but you put it on the internet's it's forever
0: it's got to be out there yeah 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 I mean yeah. Yeah. someone has it for sure all things out there and cdb will find them so
1: <laughs> it was a whole thing because I had spent a lot of time like writing up the recap and then all of a sudden I go to post it and there's hey there corn com <laughs> 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 and I'm like Reg, game wrote the recap.
3: <laughs> I had been drinking for like six hours at that point. In
1: yeah. was also There's also a dare, I think, involved, which I respect. Uh, I respect uh, writing a recap on a dare.
3: Thunder <laughs> dared me too. Yeah. Yeah. Thunder, yeah. old, old Jack, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: one of the things that I learned, actually, very early, my first article um, was uh, was a critical piece about Harrison Bader, that Bader didn't read. He read the title of, and then commented on on the internet, which was a real mm-hmm. wake up call for me right away. It's like, oh, these, and I've learned this since then that that like, yeah, these these players sometimes see this, and their moms see it, and their dads see mm-hmm. it, and their brothers and their sisters see it, and um not that i've had a lot of lot of interaction with players and players families but i've had some and so like like i know that some of you think that i've been like critical of the front office well the front office is a a thing right it's it's i mean there are people there but right um, (laughs) yeah but i i try to save most of my critique for the organization right Mm -hmm. and and a lot of my player reviews i'll have some negatives i'll have some critiques i'll have they need to work on this but But I try to be more optimistic on the player side because I know, you know, I look for the the skills. There's a reason why these players are in the majors. And so finding those things and writing about those things is is a good thing. That doesn't mean they're not also aware of their faults, but I personally am not overly critical of players because because of that reason and save Mm -hmm. it for the institution, the organization. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys have experienced that or not, but.
1: I, that's always in the forefront of my mind.
0: Personality cause... goes into it too. Like in the past we've had more, I don't, I don't want to say negative or whatever, just more dynamic, negative, you know, critiquey kind of writers. And right now we got, you know, at least, you know, Blake and Gabe and Heather are, are lean optimist
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, some. And I, depends on what mood I'm in. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll write bad stuff. If I'm in a good mood, I'll write good stuff, you know? so and adam you can be pretty critical but Mm -hmm. you know i don't know if you got it you're not writing a whole lot now because you're because of school but but uh, you know i mean in the past you've been pretty pretty um what's the word straightforward in your critiques Mm -hmm. so yeah
4: yeah i mean just in general you know like one thing i've noticed just kind of writing in like a couple of sites now it's just that you know it doesn't help anyone to sugarcoat anything at least what i've noticed just with media in general not just with sports you know i'm someone that's very just you know give exactly what happens and give exactly what is the best critique what you believe if someone someone is a you know expert in that field but that doesn't mean that you still sh- you still shouldn't be looking at it with a sen- sense of optimism right because you could just as easily look at s- the glass half full or the glass half empty and try to like make a judgment or try to take a direction based on the critique and if it's just all negative without offering some sort of like positive go around then you're not helping anyone right so you always want to have some sort of like light that's at the end of the tunnel that you can address to and that's what i usually try to do at the end of the day because i mean these guys are all the very best in the world at what they do right so there's always some sort of at, at the end of the day each one of these guys will flash the potential even it's for, for like 10 plate appearances of a major league of an mvp caliber player any every single player in the Major League Baseball is capable of doing that over the course of like 10 plate appearances, right? That's why they're Major League Baseball players. And you, you kind of have to think about that too and how much work they put in and what who they are. So it's kind of a, again, cool, like a kind of interesting balance to kind of find, but I always tend to like steer in the side of where you want to be as honest as possible with what you're seeing, as objective as you can. Yeah.
1: One I thing that
0: i go ahead, other, yeah, please. Oh,
1: yeah. I was just gonna say, we had the um, like the golden rule at VEB back when we could we wrote our own site rules, and one was like, whatever is whatever you're saying, something you would say in a room full of these people. <laughs> and so, I was yeah. kind of thinking that with my writing too is like, if I'm writing something, if the play, like kind of what you mentioned with Harrison Bader, if the player read this, would I, you know, would I not want them to read this? So, I think it's like important to always um when you're you know writing about someone is like you look at the the stats and the facts, but you don't try to like you know you always not the person but the you know but the performance yeah <laughs> um like this person isn't trying hard enough, well, you don't know that you can't possibly know that uh you I always just assume everyone's trying their best,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think there is an old um an old like uh comment on one of the old podcasts that i was on one time and someone was like mad at me because i said that mark reynolds seems like a nice guy They're like what kind of commentary is this seems like a nice guy and i'm like what am i supposed to say (laughs) about mark reynolds but anyway
0: (laughs) last thing i'll say on this to kind of close things out here is that we don't have a press pass you know, Mm -hmm. we don't rely on access to the organization. So the organization can't hold anything over us, you know? So, and, and some other sides, you know, they, they've got to mince their words or whatever, or or say things a certain way or report things a certain way, because, you know, because they've got access and they want to keep that access. And then they got players they got to be accountable to in the locker room. We don't have that. So Mm -hmm. um, not that, that we can say whatever we want. That's not, that's not the point, but um, we don't hear from at least I mean, I don't heather I'm, I don't know whether you were we don't hear from the cardinals p r mm-hmm. office whenever we write a critical article, critical post. We know they read the site, um, but you know, we don't ever hear from them. So being objective is is worthwhile though in in it's not journalism what we do, but it's close. And so <laughs> um trying to be as objective as accurate as we can be um while being humorous and entertaining at the same time mm-hmm. so.
3: Did you hear that, Cardinals? That means you should hire or
0: uh, give us PR passes so that uh, talking nicely. We'll I just want the free lunch. Did you hear they got a free lunch today? Here, all they were doing was announcing a concert, right? And they and and Jeff Jones got a and Brendan Schaefer got a free lunch out of it. I'm I'm I, safe. I'll frustrated. be.
3: I'm more, way more positive about the Cardinals if they start giving me free
1: food. Yeah. That's the key. That's all the right, key whatever you heart. want.
0: Yeah, Mo, I'll just be. I'll, I will carry your water all day if I can get a free <laughs> of it. If we ever want access, if we ever actually want access, we probably cut this part out. Yeah, we will. Yeah. <laughs> We are totally for sale, Cardinals. VEB is yeah. for sale. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's VEB this week. Uh, we don't have anything on the docket next. We'll see. I'm hoping to bring in some some guests we got some fun stuff coming up for the winter here before you know spring training rolls around which is not that far away uh only a little over a month and so uh we'll let you know what the next podcast is gonna be um but yeah gonna have some guests maybe and some outside uh speakers and we'll see what see what develops but we'll try to have fun for the next few weeks um, before we hit the actual baseball content so for site manager heather uh, for always the optimist Blake, for whatever the mood strikes him, whether he's in Mexico or not, Gabe. <laughs> and for, <laughs> for Watch You's Own, uh, Adam Akboni, I'm JP Hill, and it's good to see you guys. Uh, have a wonderful Saturday, and we'll check you out on the side. So have a wonderful day, V.E. V.E. Albertos. V.E. Albertos. I like V.E. bell Yeah. We'll see you guys. Have a great weekend.